What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm. I am a sports writer for Boston.com. I am joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe. Nicole, how are you doing? Pretty good, Tom. We're back with the instant reactions. Instant reactions. Celtics played the Sixers tonight in their first preseason game. They lost 108 to 99. Not, I would say, a particularly encouraging performance by the Boston Celtics. First thing that I, I thought was pretty notable, Brad Stevens went with Javante Green in the starting lineup, along with Robert Williams, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart. Um, you and I had talked about potentially seeing Grant Williams in there, maybe even somebody like Shemi Ojale, Jeff Teague, if the Celtics wanted to go small. But instead, Brad just threw Javante in. He said that pregame that the Celtics are going to rotate that spot. And it's like, okay, that's great, Brad, but there's one more preseason game. So you're not going to have a whole lot of time for rotating. So there were two surprising things about the starting lineup. One, that Brad even revealed it because typically Brad plays coy and does not share who he's starting until the league mandates that the coaches submit their starters. But he decided, you know, for the first preseason game, he'll like feed us a little treat, I guess. And I, I fully expect him to go back to his previous routine. So that was the first surprising thing. And then obviously the second surprising thing was the choice to have Javante in the starting lineup. Obviously, Robert Williams made sense once we found out that Daniel Tice wasn't playing and also because Tristan Thompson is rehabbing. So Javante was definitely a surprise, especially because I think he was like not even in conversation for a starting job. It was more like, okay, he's on the fringe for the roster. Obviously, everybody likes Javante. He's a great, affable guy, but he didn't really show anything last year. Like, I think ideally you have him as like a three and D type guy, or maybe he can fill in on the wing now that Gordon's gone. But none of that seemed like a viable like development this season, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, sure, maybe one day, but like it didn't seem like that role would really open up for him on this particular team. But he was in the starting lineup and he did some nice things. He really showed his athleticism. I mean, he had two alley-oop dunks, which obviously are like probably a staple in a Javante Green showing. I kept meaning to check out if he got into a defensive stance because he like blatantly refused to do that last season. And I, I never saw, I'm not saying he didn't do it, but I never was able to catch that. So I'm not sure if you saw it or not. Was not high on my list of things I was watching, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what did you think of the decision and how Javante fared? I thought Javante was was good defense. I mean, he made a couple of nice defensive reads. Uh, one of them, I, I think you mentioned the alley-oop, that one of them led that, um, where he, he jumped a passing lane and poked the ball away. And that's something that he can certainly do. Again, when we talk about like a rotating cast of guys, like I'm sure Brad is going to be kind of casting around a little bit for a little while here. You know, like the problem for me with the starting lineup, uh, at least as constituted, is is if Jalen or Jason isn't going off, where are you getting any offense from? 
and like this does tie into Javante because I think that when you look at somebody like Jeff Teague, that's a guy who you run him off a pick and roll. He can get a bucket. That's somebody who you can spot him up in the corner. He can get a bucket. Like, I think that's going to really matter on this team. And, and certainly you're going to want to stagger that somewhat. You know, you're going to want to have somewhat reliable, somewhat better in offense in the second unit. But I, I guess uh, I certainly don't expect Jalen and Jason to continue to shoot five for 24 again uh, combined or at least very often. But that will be a concern for me with Javante, where it's just like if those guys aren't going off and especially if Tatum isn't going off, because, you know, who, who knows how much offense Jalen can reliably create for himself. There's just not that much there. Right. So I guess just sticking on the Javante thing for a second, like, do you think that this is indicative? that brad is considering him for the starting lineup because i don't no i don't think so okay and then two do you think it was more of just like like what do you think the reasoning was like do you think it was a morale play do you think it was a a message or do you think it was like testing him or just trying to like give him an opportunity like i i guess how do you interpret the decision it's interesting i mean like it's so early it's it's kind of impossible to parse through like what brad is thinking i think it could be that you know that brad wanted to see what Jamonte looked like with the starters, like in terms of a kind of the opposite of what I was saying, where, you know, okay, like if those guys aren't going off, then where does the offense come from? The opposite can also be true where if those guys are going off, it might be nice to have, you know, that athletic, somewhat versatile guy, you know, on the wing. So, you know, I could kind of see it there. I could also honestly like kind of see it where maybe you start Javante because you have rotations built up otherwise, and you don't want to throw those rotations off. Like when Kemba comes back, you know, Kemba will obviously slot into that role. Kemba's going to be reevaluated in early January. I know a lot of people are talking about it. Like he's going to be out for, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks but like early January I mean it's it's December 16 right now like the season starts December 23 it's not and that long. I mean I still don't put a lot of faith in that because he's just getting reevaluated and I'm sure the news is going to be bad so I mean you are like the premier Kemba pessimist that I know but I mean and, and you certainly might be right but I, I do think that it's also possible that he has rotations built up that he wants to try to use you know maybe he didn't want to throw those off and, and maybe he put Javante in there as almost like a placeholder right that makes all that said, I mean, I, I thought Javante played pretty well. Not that I think he's going to start, but he certainly didn't look unplayable out there by any stretch of the imagination. For sure. If anything, he looked more playable than he yeah. had last year. Like, I thought that that was a ultimately a good showing for Javante. I'm curious as to his standing within the team. Again, not from like a likability standpoint or anything like that, but just from a number standpoint, I'm curious as to whether he will remain with the team also because his contract isn't guaranteed yet so they could still cut him usually when there's like like a real training camp battle for the 15th spot there's more than two games in the preseason <laughs> you know like <laughs> there, there's a little bit more of a uh proving ground that i just don't think these guys have right now i i, I thought there was like some actual kind of chemistry with javante out there like it kind of looks like it worked a little bit but <laughs> We say that uh, the Celtics were down by double digits in the first half. So who, who knows if it, if it actually worked or not. <laughs> um, not a banner performance from Jalen or Jason. Not something to worry about. I mean, if you think back to like the first preseason game of the NBA bubble, Tatum was just brutal. I, I mean, he had one of the worst performances of his career. I think he was two for 16, if I remember correctly. Well, no, he was, I think he was... <laughs> that was the game that he like didn't actually make a basket but they credited him oh, so that's he was- right he was like one for 15 but yeah. like one of them was just like an, a tip in from somebody else yeah 
So Tatum has a history of being bad in his first game back and then being great going forward. And I would imagine that that will probably be the case again. And, and that will make the Celtics look a lot different than they looked tonight. That being said, man, they need Kemba back so bad. And they need Kemba to be really healthy to be anything this year. Like, I just, I, I mean, I, I think you have like a legitimate point about Kemba and about how worrisome it is to be relying on that knee. But I mean, I, I feel like that's where they are. I, I feel like to be anything, like we, we really saw it tonight. Like Tatum is awesome. Jalen is a really good player. Like doesn't matter if you, if you don't have healthy Kemba. Right. No, I agree. And Jason and Jalen, they could combine to go five for 24 on Friday. And I still wouldn't be concerned about Correct. the two of them. <laughs> I, it would take a lot for me to be concerned about their development and sort of their role and importance to this team. What's concerning though, and this is, I think your point too, is that when they aren't hot or when they aren't even just average, where does the offense come from? Couldn't and tell you. That I think has been an ongoing issue. I thought Jeff Teague played really well. Really good. The thing about Teague is that he's not always consistent. Um, like throughout his career, he hasn't always been like a, like a night to night guy where you know you're getting, you know, he'll, he'll put up like, you know, I mean, there would be seasons where he would average like, you know, 15, 16 points, but it wasn't that he was scoring 15, 16 points a night. It was very much, uh, this is the middle ground of where he, uh, <laughs> of where he hits. So, but I mean, you know, I, I think he's a very useful player. He, he's certainly different from Wanamaker in that he's a lot more of a creator. He's a lot more of like a like a pick and roll guy. I, I think Wanamaker is best used as very much like a secondary ball handler who can spot up and hit some threes. Whereas I think Teague can pretty naturally do both, which is a huge upgrade for the Celtics. Like that's that's really big with Gordon Hayward gone, especially. I mean, I thought, you know, Gary Washburn asked, asked Brad tonight, like, are, are you a little bit more concerned, like, after tonight's game, which I thought was a very fair question. And Brad's answer was just, like, paraphrasing, obviously, but he basically said, like, I've been concerned this whole time. <laughs> like, um, you know, like, the, there's – like, he knows – like, obviously, you don't want to overreact to a preseason game, but I, I, I do think that there – you maybe saw what some of the holes in this team might be down the road. And I don't know that they're always going to look that exacerbated, but – they're there, you know, and they're going to they're going to rear their head sometimes. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the offense looked awful, truly abysmal. <laughs> like, Which, I don't think... Again, will happen when Jason Tatum, you know, goes like four for 15 or whatever he was like. And it's like their first game back. It's preseason. I mean, at one point in the second quarter, Peyton Pritchard, Tatum, Shemi, Jeff Teague, and Grant Williams were the lineup. So, like, that's never going to happen in a Sixers game. So, like, obviously, that's going to look bad. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, if Taco is one of the first subs off the bench, like, not expecting this to be, like, a banner night. <laughs> However, I think, like, the issues raised are legitimate, though. Yes, I would agree. And then I guess on to, like, a bright side. I mean, Peyton Pritchard does not look shook and looks very much ready to <laughs> contribute. Honestly, I thought there were real, real bright spots for both the rookies. I, you know, we can start with Pritchard because obviously, you know, he went six for 10, two for six from three, 16 points like that. He just looked really comfortable. And I thought I thought one of the most encouraging things to me was that he looked good with both sort of with like a first unit E 
lineup, you know, in the first half. And then he looked good with second unit as well. Like in, in both cases, I thought that he comported himself pretty well. And like, that's going to matter for him because I think that he is going to kind of toggle back and forth between those two. And we'll see what happens with the starting lineup. We'll see if, if Teague ends, does end up starting with that group or, or if they do, you know, try to slot somebody else in there. But one way or the other, minutes are going to trickle down to him. Like, yeah, again, I, I thought that he looked kind of ready for those minutes. And uh, that's what the Celtics hoped when they drafted a like a, a senior. And, you know, when they drafted the Pac-12 player of the year, who was also a senior, they hoped that it was somebody who was kind of ready to go right away and ready to be a little bit more of an adult. And I mean, I think the early results are, are definitely very promising. I think it was interesting that he received minutes before Neesmith. Going into the game, a lot of people would have expected Aaron Neesmith to get off the bench first. I don't know if that's worth reading into or not in terms of Brad's evaluation, but that definitely was, I think, notable. Yeah, and, and I thought with Nate, with Neesmith, I mean, obviously he didn't come in and, and everybody was freaking out about it. I think when he came in, we really kind of, like, I could kind of see why Brad is concerned about him. I think his defense is not going to translate very quickly. It was a little unfair at first. I noticed a couple of times like he was he got matched up with Ben Simmons and and Simmons like ran right past him and it's like okay, yeah, like Ben Simmons is an all-star, like he's an, you know, otherworldly player in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, okay, it's fair if Neesmith couldn't keep up with him, but I just didn't think he was, you know, always in the right spot and and he certainly had trouble containing people. I mean, Shake Milton was killing everyone, but like he certainly hurt Neesmith. But I thought on the offensive end, he took five three-pointers. He only made one of them. But all of them, I thought, were decent looks. And that's realistically what the Celtics need from him. Like, they brought him in to space the floor. And I think he's going to do that. If he gets five looks that look kind of like the ones he got tonight, pretty good. There's real value there. And I, and I don't think that, like, play him next to, to Jalen Smart, Tatum, and Tice, and I don't think that your defense is going to be killed. Like, you'll be able to hide him, basically. Pritchard certainly had by far the better game, and I, I think that there's a lot to be encouraged with um, when it comes to Pritchard, but I wouldn't be surprised if Neesmith works his way into the rotation down the line. Maybe not right away, because again, like, you know, Brad doesn't always trust rookies, and he definitely doesn't always trust rookies who struggle defensively, but there's there's value there for Neesmith. Brad keeps talking about everybody on the bench and all of the second unit and all of the other guys. Their only role, basically, is to make life easier for Jalen, Jason, Kemba, Marcus, those guys. There's definitely a world where Neesmith does that, I think. And and I think that Brad was was on the money when he when he was talking after the game. He he talks about how this is such a crash course for these guys. He he mentioned that that at one point he was yelling out defensive reads to Pritchard and, and Neesmith, and they were both just kind of giving him blank looks. And it was like, yeah, like I mean, how can you blame the guys? And I, I'm certainly Brad doesn't blame them. This is hard. I think it might be a situation where the Celtics have no choice but to play both of them anyway, and just kind of hope for the best. And right. uh, and we'll see. And. And you know what? Like maybe they play well and maybe they make some mistakes, but they're a net positive in some ways. And maybe that encourages Brad down the line to trust his young guys a little bit more, even though they might make mistakes. Like, I don't think that's out of the question either. So Um, I will say that the fast PP jokes get me every single time. And I like feel like such like a 12 year old, but like they crack me up. (laughs) They're very funny. (laughs) Like, Peyton Pritchard is at least 22 years old, but like, did nobody, I think it seems like he's been on Twitter for a while. Cause I see people digging up tweets of his from like 2012, 2013. So, I mean, that's, that's a good seven years of being on Twitter that nobody told him like, Hey man, what's up with your handle? 
Like So for those that maybe aren't familiar, Peyton Pritchard's Twitter handle used to be fast PP3. And now it's like Peyton Pritch three, yeah. I think. And <laughs> fast PP is hilarious. That's why part of me thinks that he was just trolling. Maybe. I mean, I like, you know, we don't know him very well yet. It like I will say that uh I don't know that we have like gotten a glimpse into whatever like if Peyton Pritchard is a troll of some kind we haven't necessarily seen that in his personality yet like that hasn't come out yet right. maybe but also <laughs> like we aren't truly around this team and we don't see anybody interacting either way I they're they're very funny <laughs> okay so obviously another notable young guy we should definitely talk about is Robert Williams he got the start Tom what did you think of Rob's name <laughs> Well, Nicole, there was a three-game stretch in the bubble where it really started to look like Rob was putting it together. And then there was the playoffs where it did not necessarily look like Rob had put it together. And you could either be an optimist and you could come into the season and be like, oh, I think that Rob found some things during those three games. And maybe during the playoffs, it was just really hard because he was playing against the Sixers and it's tough to play against Joel Embiid. And then there's the pessimist side that's like, okay, but like that's three games as opposed to his entire NBA sample size. And then the optimist would say, but his NBA sample size isn't very big because he's been injured. And the pessimist would say, okay, but like you still have no evidence. And the optimist would say, well, he played the Sixers again tonight. So maybe that's what was happening. Maybe it was just, it's just really hard to play against Joel Embiid when you're, you know, a young center who isn't squatting 450 pounds. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. He really is one where I'm like, I need to see at least a couple more games. I mean, he was thrown out there and told, go defend Joel Embiid. That's hard to do. I mean, he also couldn't defend Dwight Howard. Again, there's a size issue there, but still. A lot, not as much of a size issue. Like Dwight <laughs> Howard is like 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, like that was always a thing with him. Uh, he's at least, you know, three or four inches shorter than than Embiid. And he's much more Rob Williams height. So fair. I guess I don't know. there is no defense there. I was, I will say that I was not encouraged by Rob Williams' performance it looked a lot more like the discouraging moments in the bubble than I thought it did the encouraging ones. For me, some of the, I guess, unfortunate parts of Rob's performance tonight is it was a lot of the same stuff, like a reach and foul, him swiping, him biting on pump fakes, him not being in the right spot. Like it's all the same stuff that we've seen before, you know? And so I don't know what it is, like if it's a mental block or if he just like can't seem to put it together. To that end, it, we also saw a like volleyball swat block and oh, yeah. you know the other traditional like Rob things, but it's like we just constantly see the same stuff from him. And I'm with you that I am far from giving up on Rob, but it's like at what point do you give up on him? Because his extension is coming up next off season, right? Yeah. He'll be extension oh, yeah. eligible. So it's like, I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know either. He's going to be a really complicated case. I mean, what might honestly happen is the Celtics might be able to sign him to like a very team friendly deal. Cause there just isn't going to be that much out there if he doesn't kind of pick it up a little bit here. And I mean, maybe they'll be willing to do that. I, I, I again, like there's just so much promise there. We've talked about it before. Like Rob Williams has every bit of like a making of like a very productive NBA center. Like he can pass, he can jump out of the gym. He can protect the rim. His arms are freakishly long. Like he's, I don't know that there's anybody in the NBA with a better like catch radius on lobs than him. So like, there's a lot of value there. 
how, how long are you willing to hold out hope that that value kind of like comes into play? Like, I don't know, but some players develop later. Like it, it, he would not be the first player to become productive five, six, seven years into an NBA career. Like that, that has happened before. So we'll see what happens. And, and I mean, maybe he's great this year and they actually have to like pay up for him. Anything is possible. Joel Embiid isn't I, like you mentioned earlier, like isn't the ideal matchup to sort of see Rob at his best either. And this won't even be an issue because theoretically they will have Tristan Thompson and or Daniel Tice. Like Rob would be the third option guarding Embiid in the future. So he might be the fourth option uh, against Embiid because honestly, like Taco is still not an NBA defender, but Against Embiid, like Embiid can't just go into the post and like shoot over him like he can against so many other guys. And so Embiid is a lot more likely to settle for some dumb jumper that the Celtics are super happy to have him take. So if Taco just like stays down and keeps his hands up, he's kind of better at defending Embiid than (laughs) Rob is because like, I mean, Rob is just so much lighter than than Embiid. Like Embiid can just overpower him and get straight to the rim. We'll see what happens. Like, I would not be at all surprised if Rob gets the start again against Brooklyn. Tice is, sounds like he's day-to-day. It, it does not sound like it's that serious, but, I mean, there's absolutely no reason to hurry him back. So we'll see how that how, how that plays out. Brooklyn would be a more interesting matchup for Rob, I think. Right. To the point about Embiid, he looked uh, a lot more agile or agile to me and a lot quicker. I mean, it is literally the first preseason game and he didn't play like a full workload. So who knows what it'll be like first round of the playoffs or something. But compared to the last time we saw him, he wasn't like lumbering around and it didn't seem like I feel like every single time he had to do something in the playoff series, it looked like so strenuous and like exhausting for him to like do literally like a simple basketball move and he he did look better I thought condition wise I thought he looked really good I thought he looked kind of thin certainly not thin in a way where he wasn't going to be able to overpower people I mean that Sixers team is going to be good I think like I don't know if they tricked me last year too but like Seth Curry looks like he's going to be a really nice fit he ran a couple of dribble handoffs with Embiid that like I don't know how you stop those that that's a really good pairing and uh you know, I, I liked, I thought Tyrese Maxey looked really good in, in his, you know, second half minutes. I mean, he's, he adds a really interesting dimension for them. Shake Milton just, I think he just caught a heater. I don't think he's actually that particularly good, but I don't know. We'll see. No, the Sixers are going to be tough and uh, chalk another team up that the Celtics are going to have to, going to have to overcome if they want to come out of the East. A couple other guys that, that probably bear mention. Uh, any thoughts on Grant? He sort of picked up right where he left off, which is good. That's what you would want to see from him, like continued consistency. And then hopefully the three-point shot falls. He took one at least, or maybe he took more than one, but I saw he attempted at least one. He wasn't afraid to shoot it. And I know that was something he was working on this offseason. So hopefully that falls at a higher clip. I mean, can't get much worse than 0 for 28 or whatever he started last year. But yeah, I, I didn't really have any major thoughts on Grant or Shemi or the, sort of like the rest of the middling guys. Yeah. I mean, my only thought with them is just kind of similar to the thought before, like, like the Celtics need offense from somewhere. I think that, I think Grant is going to be good enough. Like, I think he can defend enough fives in the NBA to get himself on the court. Even if he isn't like a, like a super consistent scorer. I don't know that the same can be said of Shemi, which is why I kind of think that like, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the Celtics are really kind of looking at Teague and Pritchard 
as kind of two really consistent off the bench guys. I'm guessing the Celtics would like to get to the off season and use their traded player exception. Then I'm looking at this team and like, I just, I think they need something like, I, I really think they need to like, it needs something else. And uh, like, I don't know how you go get that. I don't know. Maybe you just package some draft picks together. Maybe, um, you know, maybe some team has interest in taking a flyer on, on like a Romeo or something like that. One way or the other, I just I, I think this team needs something else. And and I mean, especially if they're hoping to compete this year, and I think they should try. It's too early to, to like say this with any certainty, but tonight's results would indicate that they will need something else down the road. You hate to overreact, but it's just really hard to buy into this team as currently constructed. I would agree. You think about some of the names that were thrown around with the traded player exception, even like some of the underwhelming ones. Like think how much Harrison Barnes would help this team. He's just like a good adult basketball player who you know you can put out there and he's going to play adult basketball. And like this team doesn't have a lot of that. that that's why I think that's part of the reason why Jeff Teague looked so good is because like Jeff Teague is 32 years old and we'll just go out and play adult basketball. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I guess. Is there anything that you will be looking for in particular against the Nets or is it more just like getting a better feel for sort of the rookies or the first year Celtics. I, I think it's just kind of more of the same. Like it's weird, right? Because I feel like we have a good sense of a lot of these guys. Like, I feel like I, I think I know who like Grant Williams is as a basketball player right now. I think I know who Shemi Ojale, Tremont Waters, Carson Edwards, like I feel like I know who they are. So yeah, I mean, I think I'll be interested to see if Javante gets more minutes with the starters. Cause again, I thought there was like weirdly a little bit of chemistry there. I, I will be interested to see if Neesmith gets in a little bit earlier. And if I would like to see him with the starting unit, um, not because I think he should start, but because I'm curious how much his spacing could help or like the opposite is true too. Like, or if, if the, all the attention that, that will probably be paid to Tatum and Jalen and, and, and Marcus, it, like if that opens up a little bit for him, all of a sudden he becomes like a real weapon. So I'm curious to see that. And just, yeah, I mean, further development from Pritchard. I, I think that it will be a little bit more fun once there's actual stakes behind these games. Yeah. Like, nobody's playing for anything. Like I saw somebody say that Jalen was just running laps out there to get his cardio up. And like, that really is what it looked like. I mean, there was very little purpose to anything that I felt like he was doing. Right, exactly. And that's why it's sort of hard to like really set like the concern level here. Cause like Taco Fall is never going to play in the first quarter of like a regular season game that like means something unless right. Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, and Shemi Ojale are all hurt. Like that's just never. And let's not rule anything out. It is the Celtics. <laughs> it's, it's just hard to like really gauge the concern level, but even all that said, I feel like my concern level is not high, but like, it's not, not high. I think that's fair. I think what we probably should have done with this podcast is just like gone completely overreaction and just like leaned into it because then you can like sort of couch everything in like, I'm being ironic, but like, you're not actually being ironic. You actually have these concerns about the team. But <laughs> here we are and it's 12.55 AM and we're going to leave it there because I want to go to bed. If you catch me not seeming very energetic over the next like couple of podcasts, I have tested positive for COVID. It really feels like I got hit with the blue shell in Mario Kart on like the third lap because like vaccines are literally being delivered to hospitals and here we are. So that sucks. All right, guys. Well, we will leave it there. DM us with any questions, comments, and concerns, and we will talk to you all soon.